The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have an album review for you. I am excited about this one because this is a band I have loved since this particular album came out. Uh, It came out about the right time for me, which was around the time of the grunge era, Mm -hmm. uh, or towards the end of the grunge era, I should say. came out the record came out in uh, in 1995 which record grunge kind of they said grunge died with uh with Kurt Cobain so that would have been around 94 but mm-hmm. um the band is from Seattle so they do have that kind of tie but Adam this band is weird <laughs> they're so weird and it's my kind of weird i it's so weird that i yeah. love it yeah this is actually i would say is a long time coming for us i'm kind of surprised mm-hmm. it took us this long to get to this album, I agree, yeah. and I'm I'm not sure if there was a reason. Uh, maybe I just didn't want to type out the whole title. Uh, who knows? Because they have a very long name. But in case you started listening to this without looking at the title, we are going to review the debut self-titled album. So I don't have to say the whole thing again. <laughs> of the Presidents of the United States of America, or as they will uh, now be known as for the rest of this episode, PUSA. Pusa, yeah, there you go. Since, since I don't, I guess we could we could just say presidents because most presidents, people do yeah, that as presidents, well. Presidents, yeah, they just it, say presidents. This is definitely, as you already said, this is an album that fit really well into our nostalgia and one I absolutely associated um, with you. Like you know, I, yeah, I sure mm-hmm. I think I watched some either on MTV or some other stuff like that. But I def- I absolutely feel this is an album that you introduced me to, and I really enjoyed it because we played it, you know, on our mm-hmm. album and our and our little. Uh, you know, stereo that we had in the bedroom that we shared when we were kids. Um, and, you know, but how did how did you come across uh, Pusa? I think I found them on MTV. Um, I, I've probably with um, their first, uh, I believe it was their first single. No, it was not their first single, their second single. Um, but it was the first mm-hmm. uh, music video that I remember, which was Lump, which we'll okay. kind of talk about that music video. I remember seeing that music video, and that's kind of when they got big. Was after that single came out. Yeah. And uh, I remember watching. I remember actually they did a live concert on MTV where they played almost the entire album. Or they played most of the stuff from the album. Um, and it's not hard because the songs are like two minutes each. <laughs> I know it, it. It's a quick album, but like it, everything's fun. Everything about this band is weird and fun. From the 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 instruments they use to the words of the music to mm-hmm. the way the music sounds like everything about this is weird but in an oddly uh, accessible way yeah yeah so a um, couple interesting things about the album sure. it uh, it was certified triple platinum so that's pretty damn solid uh, it peaked at number six on the Billboard 200 um, unfortunately the presidents did disband in 2015 uh, so they are done playing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did see them in concert, luckily. Oh, did before Very that cool. happened. Saw them back in like 2011, 2012, something okay. like that. Very nice. Um, and I'll mention that from all of the uh, music videos, I'm not going to really mention too much of the music video. I might, I might, I don't know. But 
Um, mm. They were all directed by Roman Coppola, who I believe is from the famous Coppola family. Uh, but he wrote and directed the, uh, the that series Mozart in the Jungle. Uh, but he also, um, I think, either wrote or directed or wrote uh, the Moonrise Kingdom and Isle of Dogs. That was like uh, they were Wes Anderson films, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, really like that one. And yeah, so he directed all these music videos. So very okay. cool. Yeah. Uh, the uh, album was released on March 10th of 1995. Uh, it was recorded at the Laundry Room and Egg Studio, which I believe is in Seattle. Um, put out on the Pop Llama slash Columbia label. I think it was initially put out on Pop Llama and then Columbia mm-hmm. uh, bought it and distributed it. Uh, was produced by the presidents himself as well as a, uh, as a guy named Conrad Uno who uh, produced a lot of well-known um, Seattle acts like Mud Honey, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sonic Youth. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Presidents, and a lot of lesser-known Seattle bands, but those are... Oh, the okay. Posies? That's another... Oh, yeah, Posies is good. Posies heard of them. The personnel on this album is pretty small, which tells me that they they probably did a lot of stuff together mm-hmm. um they probably tracked together meaning all the guys playing together in, in in the same room or at the same time and then a few overdubs and stuff like that because there's only one additional musician and he's a big one in my eyes <laughs> yeah. he's a very big one yeah you want to save him for the song or you want uh, well no nah, well oh it's, it's so hard because <laughs> i want to talk about him all the time um but let's talk about the uh, presidents um so it's a little misleading on if you go to Wikipedia and you ask who it is, it'll say Chris Ballou, who is the lead singer, also plays bass. He did not play bass. Adam, he played the two-string bass guitar. That's what I remember about this band is they had like these strange amount of strings and shit. <laughs> yes. And uh, Dave Detterer plays the three-string get bass. <laughs> okay. And then Jason Finn played drums. But the the unusual thing about Jason Finn, uh, his drum set was he used his main crash cymbal was a very small thirteen inch, almost splash sounding cymbal. Uh. So you didn't get big crashes out of him. It was very high pitched. Also, he always had uh, what we call a jam block, which almost sounds like a wood block or like a temple block would be another mm-hmm. name for it, and a cowbell. And he uses them all throughout the album. You can hear it all over the place. So it was not just. Something that he used on occasion, he uses it throughout the album. So even he had some weirdness to his setup, yeah. which went with it. So what they did was uh, Chris Ballou uh, basically took off the top two and bottom two strings of his bass and then restrung those middle two to go all the way down to almost – they went to like a low C, or if you're looking at a, at a music staff and a bass staff, the second space on the bass staff is C. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went down to about there, so not quite to as low as where a bass guitar would actually go. Um, and then uh, Dave Detterer just took off the top three strings of his guitar. Now, the funny thing is, is on occasion, they would use a full six-string guitar if he needed to do a solo or stuff like that. But for the most part, he just used the bottom three strings of his guitar. Okay. So they just took off the top one. So uh, it was all the weirdness, which, honestly, I was totally here for. Yeah, this I remember these guys being silly. Almost, I mean, it's it's comical, but also this music is catchy. It is. That's the thing is like you listen to it and you're like, this song makes no sense whatsoever. But man, is man, do they the way they read it? I just want to sing it. Yeah, all the time. 
Um, and then you know what? I'm going to spoil it. Okay. I can't wait because it's the last song <laughs> on the album, and I just, I just can't wait that long. Uh, the indemnable, incredible Kim Thayhill plays a guitar solo on the very last track, which is called Naked and Famous. Kim Thayhill, uh, if you don't know, get the fuck out. <laughs> wow, John, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> Probably. Kim Thayhill, uh, famously the lead guitarist for Soundgarden. Yeah. Um, and quite and probably a perfect foil to Chris Cornell's songwriting mm-hmm. is Kim Thayhill's weird guitar solos and just the way he writes his his parts to complement uh, Chris Cornell's. To me, it's like the perfect wine and cheese pairing, mm-hmm. or whiskey and cheese, whatever you like. Yeah. So really, just those four guys. Very cool. Um. Yeah, and that's it. So, uh, Adam, you got anything else you want to add before we uh, jump into the tracks? No, I'm excited to uh, go back and listen to these uh, funky songs. All right. Well, we're going to start off with uh, a cute little song called Kitty. He needs some petting and loving on his head. He needs some petting and loving on his rain soaked high. He's circling around my ankle. He's circling around my ankle. He needs some petting and loving on his Hey, kitty, won't you come inside? Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a Already, we're starting out with the weird. We're getting some meow sounds. Meow. We're getting meow 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 meow. <laughs> you're getting. We're getting the jam block cowbell combination from Jason mm-hmm. Finn on the drums. We're hitting. They're hitting us in the face with the weirdness. Yeah, it's silly, man, but it's um, it's catchy. It sticks in your head. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And I remember getting this album. I uh, probably not long after it came out. Maybe. Maybe by the end of that year or the next year. And, you know, we weren't supposed to listen to things with bad words. And oh, then you man. get to the part towards the end of this song. And you're like, it just you're talking about a cat. And then all of a sudden you get, fuck you, kitty. Dude, the the emphasis, you're like, fuck you, <laughs> kitty, you're going to spend the night. Fuck you, kitty, you're going to spend the night. Fuck you, kitty, you're going to spend the night outside. They kitty. build to it so well. <laughs> yeah. They build to that outside. And you get some really cool uh, effects of them using the guitars for the scratching mm-hmm. sound of the cat and stuff like that. Yeah. Again, it's it's the it's the weird, almost sort of Frank Zappa uh, craziness that you're you're getting from them. But to me, it just tells me one, they are very good musicians because they know what they're doing to create this stuff, and two, they just they're em- embracing. Whatever they want to do, they want to want to do crazy. And I wonder if they started out like that or if they mm-hmm. turned into that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, the song itself. So it hit number 13 on the modern rock charts. It was released as a single, and the song is apparently based on a true story about a uh, apparently a bad little cat that lived in some apartment that Chris shared with some folks in Boston. <laughs> I mean, but literally, the song is is basically it's just about a kitty, a little cat. That comes onto his foot and, you know, is right next to him and then it scratches him. And, and that's, that is the entire story the, of the song. 
Kitty comes up, he's purring, he's yeah. nice, and then just scratches him. And that's, and the, you know, then they add some grunge sounding guitar licks to it, mm-hmm. and it's the song. Yeah. And, and it's wonderful. It, yeah. And anyone who knows the band is going to know Kitty. Yeah. And it's so much fun. See, like I said, I saw them live. Actually, a friend of mine called me one time and said, Hey, uh, we're going to go see Presidents of the United States. They're playing. Uh, downtown, we have this thing called like I forget what they call, it, but they have bands play downtown for free, mm-hmm. and so I get to see them for free. It was just like an outside stage and stuff like that. So much fun! Such a good, such a good crowd. All people around my age, yeah. singing songs along with them. It was great. That's that's awesome. But they, yeah, a lot of fun. But like, there's something about, and we'll mention it. I guess probably I'm sure at the end as well. But like, there's a simplicity, and you know, we already. Tell, I mean. When you only have that many strings and you remove all those strings and you have like kind of these strange kits, there's a simplicity with these songs, but they know how to craft it in a way that it's so entertaining. Yeah, I I read an interview when I was younger uh, with um, uh, Chris Ballou, who's mm-hmm. talking about, um, sorry, uh, was talking about his songwriting process and that he basically had this notebook and if he just had a random thought or a random line, he would just write it down. Uh. So a lot of these songs came together of just random lines that got pulled together and he made stories out of them, in which some of them are more coherent than others. Oh, some yeah. of them we were like, uh, I don't know what one has to do with the other, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. I was just say, I'll segue, much like our next song. <laughs> like Kitty at least tells a little story. Our next one... Doesn't make a lick of fucking sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move on to that song called Feather Plucking. They send a secret message and send it by worm. So vibrating spiders will receive the word. Well, that's totally Feather I think when I was a, a a teenager, this might have been the one of the songs I skipped. Uh, I don't think I appreciated this song very much when I was younger. When I as a you know as an adult, I appreciated it a little bit more. I enjoy I enjoy the weird craziness that n- makes no sense in the story, no whatsoever. No, like there's very random lyrics, um, and I think they had to be high to write something like this, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, this there is something that there's still there is an enjoyable quality. I really like this song. You know? Yeah. You have to feather plucking feather plucking insane, but I don't care. Like this is such a fun and like great two great songs to start us off. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh and as we kind of mentioned, most of the songs on this album are quite short. Um they're between the two and three minute mark. There's a couple that are even less than two minutes. There's only one that that breaches the four minute mark, and it's not even by a lot. Yeah. So this album goes by pretty quick. I think the total runtime is like just under. It's like 37 minutes or almost 38 minutes. Yeah, so pretty short. Yeah. Which actually was probably about the same runtime as like Dookie. So, oh yeah, that was fast. So a lot of short songs. Which you know what? To me, that's fine. 
Mm-hmm. Every you know, I don't need to have a whole hour's worth of an album sometimes. And if the songs are catchy and good, like this is an album where you know what? Once I finish it, I might run it again. I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like, yeah, it's short, but the thing is, I might end up listening to it multiple times through, and it'll last as longer even. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the next one, which may not be. It might or might not be their biggest one. Uh, but it was definitely the one I think that put them on the map for sure because this is when they started to get noticed and that is Lump. Lump lingered last in line for brains and the one she got was sort of rotten and insane Small things so sad that birds could land Is Lump fast asleep or rocking out with the band She's Lump, she's Lump, she's in my head She's Lump So I actually, I love that they start the song with just the drums and the singing. Mm-hmm. And this is, I actually remember having friends who d- actively disliked this band because of this song. Because you the, the whole first thing before the guitars come in, they're listening to the words and they're like, I don't understand what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> Mud flowed into Lump's pajamas. I just, like, they didn't get anything that was going on. And I thought it was great. So, uh, from what I saw, the little bit of research that I could do, I could find, um, Chris Ballou apparently said that the lyrics were a combination of his own history of having a benign tumor in his head. So lump. And he said, and also a mix of a vision of a woman he had in a swamp. So he had a vision of someone that probably wrote it down. Um, maybe that's where the mud came up into her pajamas. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So that's what it's kind of about. You think he was on acid or maybe Uh, mushrooms? There's uh, must have been drugs, must <laughs> have been was drugs. drugs. So, uh, the song hit number one on Billboard's Modern Rock tracks, and actually hit number twenty one on the on the Hot 100. So not this, bad. This was, I think, their highest charting song. Okay, yeah. that makes sense because it was everywhere. Actually, I remember when I was younger, I got to the point where I actually got sick of this song because they played it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays. If you mention the presidents, I think there's another song that most people sing. Yeah, um, and I think the music video also played a big part of that, which we'll yeah talk we'll about get that to when we when we get to it. Um, uh, but this, as far as I know, this was the only president song to get the uh, Weird Al treatment. Yes, it is, and uh, of course, uh, at the time you said '94 uh, this album came out, or that was '95 came out in '95, and, and the the award winning movie. Uh, for that year was Forrest Gump, and so we wrote an out a song called I mean, Gump. It, it's gonna write itself. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. That's low hanging fruit. If he doesn't take that, we got to take away his comedy card. Yeah, true, true. Bit easy. Uh, yeah, I I like Lump. Lump is a solid song, but I would say it's actually not even close to like my favorite on the album. You I know, agree. It's, it's probably it's, middle tier. Yeah, middle of the pack for me on this one. Yeah, I agree. Middle of the pack. It's upper middle pack. Yeah. In an album, and I'll say this probably multiple, in an album that I can listen to all the way through without any issues. Yes. Pretty much. I think yeah. when I was younger, there were a few of the slower ones that I might have had a hard time with, but nowadays I can, you know, I have more patience. Since I've had kids, I have a lot more patience for things. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, let's move on to the next song, which is called Stranger. Carla the Stripper. 
straight from L.A. You seem cool for a naked chick in a booth. Let's be pals someday. In other words, put some clothes on and call me. I saw you. It was incredible. So this song is kind of a slow burn to mm-hmm. the heavy part. Um, it's very soft. It's very much in the same vein to me as Feather Pluckin' in that it's a lot of ideas thrown together, which don't initially really make sense. Um, but I really like that that we, when we finally do build to it, um, you, you kind of get this cool little from the drums, which I think helps drive it. Um, and it, it kind of comes up and then goes back down and then kind of finishes up at the end. Um, it's not a top tier. It's no. not a top half song for me, but still very much in that president's, uh, style. And yeah. I was fine with, yeah, I was trying to like, I was trying to think like, what are some of these songs about? Um, I mean, he talks about Carla, the stripper and you seem cool for a naked chick in a booth. I uh, love that line. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I, I think maybe, you know, it's a, you know, you're a stranger, um, all like the stripper talk. I think it is maybe about infatuation with like a sexy stripper. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, I definitely enjoy the song. It's just exactly. It's got the same. There's a consistency, man, throughout this entire <laughs> album, for sure. Yeah. I wonder if there really was a Carla the stripper yeah. and what is she doing now? <laughs> exactly. Is she still is stripping in L.A. 20 something years later, almost 30 years later? With the cost of rent in L.A.? Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's probably the only way she can make money. Yeah, Jesus. unless she unless she has some sort of rent controlled oh, uh, apartment so, since ninety five. Yeah, which actually back then probably could have gotten something. Uh, all right, so good enough song, but let's go ahead and move on to the next song called Bull Weevil. Let me tell you about a friend of mine. His name's Bull Weevil. Check him out. Spends all day. tell you about a friend of mine uh i love bull weevil dude this song is so awesome it it's so catchy yeah uh you know i i i know a bull weevil is some sort of insect but i can't remember exactly what it is what gets it for me is uh jason finn gives us this really interesting cool shuffle Mm -hmm. on the drum set which fills out a lot of space in the song because you're getting this kind of just from, I'm assuming, probably Chris Ballou. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of space in there. 
and he's Jason Finn's filling it out with this really cool shuffle sound in the background, mm-hmm. and it drives the song to the re- to the end. It makes me bob my head left and right, oh, yeah. and the the. Chris Ballou's singing style yeah. is sort of like not quite rapping, but like singing fast and he's spouting off stuff pretty quick. And it's just, oh, it makes me, it energizes me every time I hear it. There is like a happy, positive vibe with this song that just, yeah, yeah it gets you moving. You know, you're right. And the singing quality uh, the, or his singing style is just like, there. there's something that's just like, I feel like he's smiling singing this song, and it makes me smile. It's just ridiculous. Um, talking about a fucking bull weevil. So a bull weevil, Anthomamus uh, uh, grandis. It's a beetle Bless that feeds. Huh? Ah, thank you. <laughs> it, it's a beetle that feeds on cotton buds and flowers. Mm. So, yeah, and there was like a whole okay. bull weevil thing like in the south at one point. That's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, that's probably what I you heard known about. That. We, yeah, I grew up in the south. I should have known that. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like in our textbooks back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's obviously going to continue the catchy, the silly vibe. But that, there's a there's a fun with this song that yeah. I don't think we even heard on the other ones. The other ones are all kind of weird and catchy, but this one there was a positive fun vibe. And yeah, I think all of the stuff, the 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 drumming, everything, and the the way he's singing, it's all great. Yeah, there's another song that to me has the same vibe. Uh-huh. Uh, as Bull Evil on this album, which we'll we'll talk about when we get to, because that one it's the same thing. I smile throughout that entire song when we get to it, and then this is you're right. This is the same sort of thing, where it's just like, oh, it's coming on. I I, I remember I I definitely remember uh, this being one because uh, they played a lot of the songs off this album when I saw them play live. Okay, whole audience, you know, like a whole street of people just sing along with, and anyone who could understand the words and was listening to were probably like, what the hell are they singing? <laughs> exactly. Hey, I, I want to throw out just also a fun little thing at the very end of it. You just got a little, maybe it's Chris, maybe it's somebody else going, come on, little bug, he's a little bug. Just, it's so, so silly. They, they do throw in, like, every so often, if you listen carefully in a few songs, I'll just throw in these weird little things, which were probably meant to be outtakes or, mm-hmm. like, they, that they didn't intend to keep in, but when they were mixing and produced, or, you know, mixing and mastering, the, the, they were like, you know what, it's got to stay in. Yeah. So Definitely. Cool stuff. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one, which is probably the one that most people associated with this band. Because yeah. um, anytime I hear it, they're like, "You mean that band that didn't they do that Peaches song, <laughs> or didn't they do that uh, music video with all the ninjas in it yeah. and stuff?" Uh, we're talking about Peaches. Moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can, they were put there by a man in a factory downtown. And if I I wonder if uh, peach sales went up after the song came out. I can tell you, um, there was a time, I, even though I knew or I had heard the bands from Seattle, between Bull Weevil, which I remember being a cotton-eating bug, and Peaches, I was like, oh man, maybe these guys are from Georgia, because they, they sure <laughs> as hell sing about shit from Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh man, yeah, you're right. The way you put it, 
Um, Lump was technically the bigger hit on the charts, but I feel Peaches has maybe maybe lasted a little bit longer, or as yeah. as just more people know about it, um, and because it's a little bit more associated with them. Yeah. Um, and I definitely remember the music video fairly simply. It's the band out in like a peach orchard, yeah, playing. And you know the song plays and it's good, but the the build up at the end. If you listen to just the song, it's fun, mm-hmm. but not like not really remarkable anything about the build up. You know, when you get the millions of peaches, mm-hmm. peach, it's kind of fun mm-hmm. and it builds up. But in the music video, for some reason, they're like, you know what we need at this part. The band's got to fight ninjas. And just out of the blue, ninjas come out. And I tell you what, everyone who I know who watched who, you know, watched the videos loved it because it was so weird. It's weird like the band. Yeah. And it was just it was really memorable. And I like I like how it worked with the build up to them just doing a random fight scene. Yes. Like, what are we gonna do for the end of this? You know what? We need a fight scene with ninjas in a Perfect. peach orchard. It's perfect. Uh, the song hit number eight on the modern rock chart and 29 on the Hot 100. And I, what I want to throw out is, um, you know, even like with Kitty. So, so Kitty and like Pussycats and Peaches, they both have innuendo for vagina, for sexual organs, whatever, whatever. Um, but the funny thing is, even though, yeah, you know, you can read into that. I'm pretty sure this is just a song about fucking Peaches. Yeah. <laughs> and that Peach. was just a song about a cat. And as you know. <laughs> Like, you know, you can have your own dirty mind, but I'm pretty sure they're just singing about weird shit. Um, but yeah, uh, I did see that Chris Ballou stated that he wrote the song about uh, a girl he once had a crush on. He allegedly wrote the song after sitting under a peach tree he had in, um, that she had in her yard while he while waiting for her to arrive so that she could he could finally let her know that he liked her. Um, <laughs> so that was apparently what it is. But yeah, I mean, the song, it's solid. It's it's it sticks in your head. Yeah. I and John, you're probably the same way. If I hear somebody say the word peaches, uh, you know, not it's not always peaches, but if I see peaches in a can, um, yeah. I will immediately go. They were put there by a man. <laughs> you know, like my in head a goes to this. Downtown. Yes. I eat peaches every day. Sun soaked peaches in the shade or whatever it is. Um, I I mean this is this is a fantastic. Awesome, catchy, fun ass song, and yeah, I I cannot go and think of the word peaches without this song probably popping in at some point. Peach, I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> that too, that face off line. That is the other thing that pops into my head too. Exactly, both at the same time. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and uh, boogie on out of here to the next song called Dune Buggy. Okay, I got it. Rubber band motor, humming on the beach, ready for fun. I quit spinning that web and come out and play in the sun. Eight thimble-sized cylinders, have to be as smooth as you please. The spider's badass fat old abdomen stuck in the bucket seat. Little dune bugger in the sand. Little blue dune bugger in my hand. I like the lick uh, that we're kind of getting from Dave Detterer here, with the kind of the the bent strings, almost a little dissonant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know what? It's funny for Dune Buggy. I f- I can follow the story very well. It's that the, he has weird characters in it, like 
there's weird animals and bugs and a frog and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. It's he he's telling a story and it's easy to follow and it's it's good. It's just that he's using weird characters and weird other like things in in this and for most of his songs, mm-hmm. and which was what makes it kind of just this weird sort of eclectic, weird, unique band. Yeah, I guess. Uh, this song was a single, but it didn't chart in the U.S. It hit number two in Iceland, uh, number 15 in the U.K., and number 16 in Australia, and 29 in Ireland. So, um, yeah, some other places liked it a little bit better. The song itself, I enjoy. Um, it's not my favorite. I don't dislike it. It's fine. Right. You know, this yes. is an entirely listenable album, yeah. um, but this is probably, this is definitely on the lower end of the album for me. But like I said, it's an album I can sure shit. I don't, I don't skip it, typically. Uh, it's probably mm, maybe middle. Okay, that's hard to say. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the next song, which is called "We Are Not Going to Make It." I love that they left in the screw up. That's that's one of my favorite parts. It's so <laughs> funny. Like one, the song is like, maybe the just shortest on the album, or one of. Um, but yeah. it, that if they took that out, it would have been probably <laughs> the shortest. But they left that in there, and I feel like that's so genuine to the band. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's part of the reason why it makes me feel like they did a lot of these songs like together in house, where they were just all playing them together, which means mm-hmm. they had them all ready to go. Uh, this uh, this is one of only two songs in the, in the album that was not written by the band. Uh, this was written by a guy named Ben Reiser, who I tried to look up. I thought maybe it was from another band. I think he was just a local musician, maybe in Seattle or maybe somewhere else, um, and they just covered the song from him. I don't think he wrote the song for the band. I could be wrong, because it feels like a song that existed before, oh. um, like maybe like a 70s punk song or something like that, but I, I couldn't find I, – I really couldn't find out – where Ben Reiser was from or where the song had come from. Gotcha. Yeah, this one, I mean, I love this one for some reason mm. because, I mean, they're just, I love that they're singing about like, eh, fuck it, we're not going to make it in this industry. <laughs> we're not going to do anything good. They're it's singing so about simple. how bad they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and honestly, that really ties in well with them fucking up at the beginning. And then yeah. you actually hear them fuck up lyrics at the end where they, they keep up, um, they say, Singers who can drum <laughs> and singers, singers who can who sing. Can it's sing. supposed to be obviously drummers Drum. who can drum, but yeah. they fuck that up. And I think it's great that they just left it in because it's like, ah, eh, fuck it, who cares? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, another another wholly singable song, very catchy. Yep. Very cool. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one, which is also a cover, actually a very famous cover uh, by kind of a, a late '60s sort of rock early version of punk band called MC5. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this band I think this song has been covered by a few different people. Uh, it's called Kick Out the Jams.
See, it's weird. Like, I I actually have not listened to the original MC5 version, huh. but like, cause th- I mean, this is very punk. And actually, if you look on their on the on their Wikipedia page, part of their uh, sort of genre listing was proto punk, which kind of makes mm-hmm. sense, like early punk. Mm-hmm. Because basically, they were a rock and roll band. But I mean, this has this has all the workings of a, a you know a great punk song. But it was actually released in 1969. Yeah. Well, I, I I knew this song actually the original re- pretty well because um, uh, Liam, who was in my band and is now our stepbrother, uh, mm-hmm. but he loved this version. And actually, this was a song that that we practiced um, in our crappy high school band together. Okay, this is back. This is when I stopped singing and I moved over to drums. And Liam was the singer and like lead guitarist. And he always loved to start it off like in the way that the MC5 started off, where they go kick out the jams, motherfuckers. And then he, <laughs> he was trying to be extra punk. Of course, I think this version is better than the MC5 version. I love okay. the president's version. It's so it's so great. It's so yeah, fun, quick, like just like poppy not really pop but like i don't know it's catchy rock yeah um it it feels like they or it sounds like they put a little extra grit into the guitar distortion yes to kind of really match the sort of punk you know punk vibes of it and it it kind of both fits and doesn't fit with the rest of the songs on the album it kind of sticks out a little bit but it's still it's still fun and energetic and singable and it still fits to me with sort of the overall vibe of the album Yes, and I always, I always dug the. Um, I don't know who does the backup vocals, but the guy who in the background goes in a rocket, and then you know in the background, <laughs> and the, oh, you know in, in in your pocket, in your yeah. pocket. <laughs> I'm not sure because both of the other guys do backing vocals. So. Okay, but yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's going to be one of the two. Super fun song. I love this version. Yep. All right, let's move on to the next song, which is the longest one on the album, just over four minutes, called Body. I can't get your body out of my mind. I can't get your body. I can't get your body out of my mind. I can't get your body. She goes through my So, I can still listen to this song. It is the it is unfortunately the most likely song for me to skip. Okay. This album. I found myself enjoying this song more as I've gotten older. Okay. Um, I do like the song. I would say uh, one of my favorite, maybe maybe one of the best lines in music history is. <laughs> The worms found a hole in your booty they could enter. <laughs> the worms found a hole in your booty they could enter, and you can I can't get your body out of my mind. Uh, so the song itself is apparently about Chris's like pet reptiles that um, he couldn't take care of properly, and they got out of their cage and died in different parts around the house. Oh, God. And so he talks about the salamander. I found your body all dried up across the, the yard. Um, and then the, there's a froggy under the entertainment center. Um, that's, that's where the worms found the booty in the hole that they could enter. Uh, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So he couldn't get the image of their, their dead bodies out of his head. And that, that was what, how he, how he got this song. See, now I have a, a, 
I have more of an appreciation for the song because yeah. that's just the weirdest fucking thing to write a song about. Yeah, of course. Okay, your animals got out and they they died because you're a neglectful, probably uh, you know, oh pet owner. But yeah, it's cool. Um, I actually do find it to be a little long. Even the four uh, minutes to me is a little too much. Fair, fair enough. No, all right. Uh, let's move on to the next song, which is called Back Porch. Intuition, key at my foot. Meowing out a conversation. Rocking back and forth. That's my only destination. Old man on the back porch. Old man on the back porch. Old man on the back porch. And that old man is me. Old man on the back porch. Old man on the back porch. Old man on the back porch. And that. Adam, this is probably my favorite song on the album. It moves quick. Was this the other one that you were mentioning where yes. you're just like they're smiling? Yes. Yeah. This is another one that just makes me happy throughout. Uh, I love singing along to this song. Um, I remember seeing him in a concert and the whole place just shouting the the chorus yeah. uh, along with the band. Oh, I, the this this song, like it was it was always one of my favorites, and then it's kind of become my favorite. Because there's a lot of intricacies musically that happen in this song that it, you don't notice initially at first. Mm-hmm. I feel like this song is even almost like self-referential for the album. They mention a kitty. They mention a yeah. peach. They mention a chicken for maybe feather plucking. They it, He even mentions worms. Maybe it's the same words he found in the booty of that frog from the last song. I don't know. Oh, I'm pretty hell, sure he mentions even, a frog, too. Yeah. <laughs> they mention frog. And they even mention like their weird string guitars. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a very self-referential, but it is... You're right. It's fun. It's catchy. You're, it is It is impossible for me not to bob my head along yeah. to this song. And I love that when you get to kind of the bridge area where they're doing like a little breakdown where it's drums playing and Chris goes into this sort of like singing, Not I'm not going to call it rapping, but sort of sing talking little thing. At the same time, uh, the guitar player does the same thing in with completely different words. And even though they've brought Chris's vocals front so that there's something for you to focus on, mm-hmm. if you try to listen to both of them, it's really hard yeah. to figure out what, because they're both th- they're both telling you something completely different. More weirdness, but I appreciate, fuck, I appreciate the weirdness on this Man, the, like this song, I, like anytime this song comes on, if I'm listening to the album or if I'm just kind of listening to like President, I'm like, I am, I am very much likely to like play this one two or three times mm. in a row. Because okay. it's short, it's just under three minutes. And man, does it get me energized. It's a great song to drive to. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, we're kind of getting to the end. This is a it's a relatively short album. I mean, there's 14 songs on it, but all the songs are fairly quick. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll go to the next song, which is called Candy. Years and years. You little yellow sweetie. You were hiding in a jar. Now my mind is gone completely. Take off the lid and there you are. You're my candy. Candy. So this is a song that is still kind of in my bottom half for the album, mm-hmm. but I've 
grown to appreciate a little bit more as time has gone on. Yeah. There's nothing kind of, this is maybe like, I don't know, I don't want to say this is the least unique song, but like, I don't know, there's nothing really in the lyrics that it, that it attached me to it, and the music is okay, mm-hmm. so that it's not driving. Um, it's a good slowdown from Back Porch, I will say that, because we yeah. Back Porch is energy all the way through. It's like three minutes of straight, just, uh, you're out of breath by the <laughs> end of it. Uh, this one does bring us down a little bit. Um, to me, kind of an unremarkable song. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. It's definitely on the bottom half, um, but it's still solid, still listenable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like when I you know, look into the lyrics, I look into the name of the song, Candy. Candy can, for very often can refer to drugs or women in a lot mm-hmm. of pop culture references. Here, I don't know. I totally think maybe he's just talking about sweet fucking candy, like sugary candy. Um, you know, he kind of has a reference of like, you know, he meets with the devil and the devil made, she makes sweet candy, um, stuff like that. I don't know. It's interesting. I do like at the end, it kind of dives, dives more into like hard punk kind of grunge by the end of the song. Yeah. Um, but it does start off slow with a K and a, uh, then yeah, it gets a little bit harder later. So yeah, solid. Not my, not my favorite, but you know, I like how you mentioned um, Back Porch was a good driving song. I think this is a great driving album. And it's yeah. one that you could just, because you because you don't have to skip anything. And yeah. most of the songs are just catchy enough that they, they keep you awake because you're interested and you're, you usually get latch on to almost every single song yeah. with either the chorus or something. So, And the yeah. thing is, is even if there's a song you're not particularly attached to, it's going to be over pretty soon. Yeah. Most of these aren't that long. And even like a four-minute song really isn't all that bad so mm-hmm. um or or, in, or whatever this one is in in that case so uh all right and we made it to the end uh to a uh a song that i actually didn't like when i was younger but i have actually grown to really like when i was older called naked and famous i can't unfold the layers of mystery or piece together the tragedy of history because those lucky suckers they don't have to work Big 3D billboards and big 30-foot smurfs. I mean, who doesn't want to be naked and famous? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, again, this is the one Kim Thay Hill plays uh, the guitar solo towards the end. Really, when the song really kind of picks up and drives, mm-hmm. drives us to the end, which uh, I appreciate. They do this a lot where they kind of start you out slow, and then they'll they'll pick up a little bit or, and really kind of drive you home at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to hate this one as the final song on this album. Not nowadays, I actually don't mind it as the final song on the album. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Actually, I have a pretty similar feeling. Like. Pretty much everything you said before is to, and I didn't care for the song as much, um, but uh, but now as I'm older, you know, I, there's an appreciation for it. You know, going to be on my bottom half of the album, but mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to listen through it. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, Kim Thayhill. I mean, just knowing that it's Kim Thayhill, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. So uh, Chris Ballou actually wrote this song in the early '80s. Oh, okay. So yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, been around for a while then. Yeah. So he's actually performed this song with most iterations of whatever bands he's been in <laughs> since then. Okay. So, but it wasn't until it wasn't until we got to the presidents where we actually got to hear it. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of the albums. Pretty quick album. 
Um, but to me, still worth it. Adam, why don't we uh, why don't we give the floor to you and okay. let us know what your final thoughts on this album? I'll first start off by saying this is a '90s album, and they're kind of a weird band. I'm surprised they didn't do a secret song. Um, it just feels like it would have worked on this <laughs> <Right>. album too, <laughs> but no big deal. Uh, I and it's obvious. I think it's very obvious from anybody who has listened this long into the episode. I really enjoyed re-listening to the self-titled Presidents of the United States of America. Um, the music is just catchy. It's fun. It's quirky. It's got that heft hefty amount of quirk in there that you know. We were never the super popular kids in school. Now, granted, we were never like branded the bad nerds, and I never felt like an outcast or anything like that. But we've always appreciated a little bit of weirdness and a little bit of like kind of some of that that different mentality. And I feel like Presidency of the United States represented us well mm-hmm. at this time. And so this album absolutely kind of brings me back into just like the oh. I really don't feel like I have to think much with this album. I just sit back and I enjoy, and I really like that. This uh, this album has never really left my rotation of albums mm-hmm. to listen to. Um, every so often, I'll get a hankering to listen to something and uh, or listen to one of the songs, and that inevitably leads me to going back and just starting the album all over again and mm-hmm. going through the whole thing because it's so much fun. Um, you're right. It is a great driving album. Now, more uh, nowadays, more often than not, anytime I listen to a whole album, it's going to be in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't get a chance to listen to albums as much at home. Um, we don't listen. Oddly enough, we don't listen to just music in the house all that much. That was, I think, that was something that maybe my wife didn't really grow up doing, so mm-hmm. we don't do it. I, however, if no one else is in the house, I will rock uh, some music uh, in the shower. There Not in the yes. shower, but like while I'm shower, because sometimes I just need music to get me motivated going in the day, um, and this would definitely be one of those albums I think that would get me going yeah. in the morning. Great, the weirdness. I'm here for the weirdness. I'm staying for the incredible songwriting and uh, the catchiness that just keeps me coming back. Well said. All right, that was our review of the debut self-titled album, Presidents of the United States of America. Please join us next time for an all Don Knotts episode as we break down the 1964 film The Incredible Mr. Limpet, discuss the iconic television show The Andy Griffith Show, and attempt to recast The Andy Griffith Show using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at BlastPassCast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.